speak to me. Are you giving? Oh, I thought that was the middle finger. <laughs> I was like, speak whoa. Are you giving me the middle finger? <laughs> We're here. Okay, everything works. Great. Three, two, one. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the second episode of Full Stack Whatever. Full Stack Whatever is a podcast in which I want to dig deeper into the stories of creatives, technologists, and other makers to uncover lessons, insights, and motivations of some of the best and brightest in our industries. I really hope you enjoyed last week's episode with Brian Lovett, and today I'm really excited to share the conversation that I had with Kathy Zhang. Kathy is a multi-talented creative who works as a digital product designer by day and pursues various creative endeavors outside of work, most notably her ceramics project, Pretty Good Club. In our conversation, we covered her various perspectives on careers and career progression and some of the biggest lessons she learned at GitHub. Hey, Kathy. Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, this is the first time that we are hanging out one-on-one, I think. Yes, oh, I'm it sure. is. I'm yeah. sure. I'm really, really excited to have you on and to talk to you. You're such a creative person. You do so many like different things. Of course, you have your day job, which like most recently your day job, when we started talking about this, you were at GitHub. Mm-hmm. Now you work at a company called Optimism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. And you've done a couple things in the past as well. But then on the side, you make these extremely baller ceramics from figurines to um, little like pots for your plants to mugs and stuff, of which I am the lucky owner of one of them as well. So yeah, I think that people like you who are like both like really good with physical work as well as with illustration and drawing as well as then also taking on a way more systematic job like product design. I think there's a ton of stories behind how you got where you got and I'd love to dig into them a little more. Yeah. I feel kind of weird because I don't think I have ever thought of myself as somebody, I don't think of myself as somebody who other people would be interested in what I have to say. Mm -hmm. I think there are so many great people who are actual like thought leaders. I'm doing air quotes here, but I do mean that. I don't mean that like sarcastically or anything, but people who have had a huge impact on the industry. And I don't view myself as one of those people, but sure, I can, I'm sure that the things that I have to say, someone will take will derive value from it. But I haven't ever thought of myself as somebody with things worth sharing broadly, which is why I don't ever tweet about product design. I just tweet about ceramics. But uh, yeah, I can talk a little bit about how I got into design. I think that you said that was one of the first things that I should talk about. Well, what I also think is interesting is that specifically because you aren't out there as much talking about product design and don't think that your voice is as I'm going to say as important to be heard as like some of these influencers or like people who have like their personal (laughs) brands going on. I actually think that it makes it way more important to have some venue where hopefully you're comfortable enough to just dig into a conversation. Maybe it's going to be fantastic. Maybe it's going to just be us two shooting the shit for a while. And then five of our friends can be like, well, that's funny. Uh, (laughs) Or maybe there's one like two minute soundbite out of all of it that can even change the course of one person's career. And if that comes out of that, then I'm glad we just got to sit down and also just got to hang out. So um, let's go a little bit into the past. How did you get into design? Long story short, I think it was around my... So I went to college for toxicology. I had... That's not design. (laughs) It's not design. But I also... I definitely didn't have a strong idea of what I wanted to do with my life. I don't think most people do, even as they enter college and as they're finding out that maybe whatever major or whatever thing they're pursuing is. But for me, I thought that I wanted to be a toxicologist and found out that I really 
didn't didn't have the kind of interest that a lot of my peers that around me had. So I felt out, out of place. And by my third year, I was a little scared because I had no real world skills. I'd never had a job. And I desperately did not want to move back home. I really wanted to be financially independent. So going into my fourth year of Berkeley, I decided to just see if I could get my foot in the door in the tech industry. And I wanted to do design because I had a little bit of familiarity with it. My generation, I think a lot of people would relate to having had spent some time on Neopets or things like that and building websites for their interests. So I had a little bit of experience doing that, knew that it was something I enjoyed, could imagine that I do it for a very long period of time. And I ended up being lucky that when I graduated, I had a internship that turned into a full-time position at this very small company in Pleasanton. That was how I entered design. And I would say that my career really took off when less than a year at the at this first company, I was <laughs> looking for a new job because I was burning out at this place and was spending a lot of time designing client briefs off of 99designs.com. I don't know if, have you ever heard of this yeah. site? Yeah. So I was, this was something that I'd been doing since I was in college because I thought it would be a great way for me to practice with real briefs, real uh, client problems. And there was an opportunity to make money, not that I made any money off of doing this. And I was <laughs> somehow during this time period where I was at this job and looking for client briefs to build up my portfolio so I had more stuff to show when I interview. I actually had a client on 99designs that chose my work as a winner. And it turned out that this client was Patreon. They didn't advertise themselves as Patreon on 99designs. They wanted to keep their name private. But after I quote unquote won the contest and got, got my designs through the final rounds, we ended up working on some contract together and then they hired me full time as the first designer. And so I think this was, this was my view this as the beginning of my career in tech because the previous company I wouldn't regard as a tech company. I don't think they had any software that <laughs> is really relevant to the tech industry. But Patreon was, was a startup. I was, I think, either the ninth, 10th, or in 11th employee, very early stage. They had just raised Series A, and I spent about a year and a half with them. It was a really awesome learning experience for me. And then I went to GitHub, which is, I think that's where, if people know me in the context of design and in tech, that's where most of most people know that I've worked. But yeah, I got my start at Patreon and I would say that I became a better designer and found my confidence in the work at GitHub. And after six years, I'm at Optimism. That's quite the ride. So there are two topics that I'd love to dig into. One is the genesis of your career. And I think that there's a ton to talk about there. And then the other piece is this really interesting point about finding your confidence at GitHub. Was there a moment in your time at GitHub where you realized that you had found your confidence? Yeah, I think it was a confluence of things. You know, by the time I joined Patreon, I was, I didn't think that I was that much better of a designer through my time at the first company because I had an amazing mentor who invested a lot in my growth, but I hadn't really, I hadn't shipped anything and I hadn't ever talked to customers. I didn't have a real experience. I didn't have what I now know is what people might experience if they work at a startup or at a tech company. 
when I joined Patreon, I came in like very insecure, didn't have another designer to really lean on. And also the company, all the other people in the company were also figuring it out, doing their role for the first time. When I went to GitHub, I had been specifically looking for a team that I could learn from. I knew that I wasn't where I wanted to be and that it would, wouldn't really be possible for me or that it would be much easier for me to grow in the ways that I cared about if I had mentorship and a team of designers who had more experience than myself and GitHub had that. Their design team was mature and they had designers in the industry that I already looked up to. So I joined and I think it was maybe two or three years in, at which point I, I think that I was just looking at the types of projects that I worked on. I was consistently my engineering and product teams that I was awesome to work with. And I knew that I was being placed on projects because my managers trusted me. And I think it was around that time where I wanted to get a promotion. <laughs> it was like the first time in my career where I was like, I think I deserve to be promoted to senior designer or not only because I was, I felt that the work that I was doing warranted that, but also I think there was a bit of, I was doing, I'm like embarrassed to say this, but even though I know that it's common, but I was comparing myself to other people. And I think I didn't feel good about not having that title when I could see such a big delta between the, the breadth of projects I was working on and the quality of work across those projects. What was I saying? Yeah, I didn't feel good about not having that title looking at these clear differences. And once GitHub and me agreed on that title, so I did get promoted, I think from there I've always felt very good about what my role is. And I felt that the how I saw myself was also reflected externally and I was compensated for that and ever since then I think that I have had confidence in myself I, th I think that I got to a point in my career I think okay I'm sorry that this is a bit of a mess but what I wanted to what I want to say because I think it's important is that when I first started out I think that I frequently thought that I was better than I was and it's paradoxical because I had mentioned that I came into Patreon very insecure, didn't have a lot of confidence or self-esteem around my design, and rightly so because I didn't have much experience. But I think that there was a point where I probably thought that I was better than I was because there weren't that many people around me doing the same job. Patreon also, I'd been the only designer there for a year and then another designer joined, but there wasn't like a team of designers where I could see different levels of work and I think that when I joined GitHub, I patience got normalized. And then by the time I wanted a promotion, I felt very confident that this was reflecting the type of work that I was doing. But there were times previous to that where I wanted a raise or whatever. But in retrospect, if I were my own manager, I would have said, you're not ready or you're not ready for this title or this kind of work. You need more time. You need more experience. So... I think in short, maybe it was me having enough experience to know where I sat, like in a team, being self-aware and knowing when I was doing really hard work and really good work versus when my work was like, okay, and average or in comparison to somebody else being able to assess myself relatively. Looking back on that, 
because um, the thing that I'm hearing in between the lines is that you're also your own worst critic, probably. Yeah. Do you feel that that exact moment and timing what is still correct or that you actually like deserved the promotion earlier or like that there was some kind of lag time between your self-awareness around this and how the company compensated that it's hard for me to say i all i remember is how i felt like i remember i felt that i really deserved it and i felt that i don't even know how long it was it was probably only a few months because i remember I think I was one of the first designers to get the senior title at the time. There, the promotions just didn't happen very frequently at this company. And when they did, I knew that other people also thought that I deserved it. And it wasn't, it didn't start off a, like, it didn't start off as a super easy conversation, but I don't think it was, I don't think it was difficult in the sense that other people or my manager weren't on the same page as me. So... It's hard for me to say whether it should have happened earlier or not. I just knew that I had felt for a decent amount of time that it was deserved. And I'm not somebody that asks for a lot of things in my career. And the only times I ask are when I really believe that it's the correct action to take. Whether it's that I want to be placed on a different project or I want my compensation revisited. Like, I only have these kinds of conversations like once every few years unless something went egregiously wrong so yeah but I do think that it would have happened a lot later if I hadn't advocated for myself which I think is also generally true when the promotion cycle is not super regular at a company mm -hmm. you you mentioned there was a breadth of the work that you focused on. There was some feedback from leaders around the team that made you feel very comfortable that you, you deserved a promotion. What were some of the qualities of the work that you were doing? Like, how did you look at your work and you were like, oh, this is significantly different than what I used to do two years ago or yeah. even a year ago? I can, just, I can talk about some of the things that I remember to me, like pointing them out as signs that I was not only being trusted with different types of work, but also that one of them is whenever somebody gets onboarded or joins the company for the first time, I manage like the design leadership would frequently have me and some other designers as people that this person should meet and talk to. That's always a sign that you are somebody that helps seed culture, somebody that would be good for this person to learn from and get context from, because this, this is not just people that would be new employees that you'd be working with, right? It's like designers that you probably aren't going to collaborate with that much, but leadership wants them to talk to you and meet you. So that was one sign. The other sign was interview loops, frequently on interview loops, because the phrase is, we trust your judgment, we trust the way that you evaluate people, we trust your, where your bar is for quality. So being put on lots of interview loops, and that's like it, way more concrete, which is just the projects themselves. I think I started being put on projects where the expectation is that you are not just reacting to your team or to priorities, you're also helping lead. And that was something that I wasn't really doing um, other than pay, at Patreon, which is different because I'm the only one there. So that responsibility would fall on me if it was a design thing. But at GitHub, there's a huge team and that was different than 
what I had been experiencing or what my teammates or peers, design peers are experiencing, like having very different projects with different teams that you're supporting and then you look around you and other people are not doing that. Well, then there's a clear difference in how much work load you have and then you add to that the quality of work or what the responsibilities actually are and you add to that oh you're trusted we put you in the onboarding process we put you in the, we have you present to the organization things like that like, these are all signs that the organization is starting to see you differently and then at some point when I realized that I think the the most sensible thing was like okay what are you, what am I getting that properly com compensates me for this delta, because I, my job is different than it was a year ago or two years ago or whatever, and there should be a change in my pay. I really like that. I really there's something very a ton of sense, and I hopefully, I, I hope that that actually also resonates with like a lot of people because I, I don't think that people talk about this enough. Yeah, actually, compensation and interviewing and. Advocating for yourself is something that I really enjoy talking to people about, especially people who haven't had to, not had to, but people who haven't yet had the experience where they are in an active role in deciding their compensation, especially when you're earlier in your career. Because I, like all of everything I just described, even though I don't want it to sound like it was a really difficult experience, like getting a promotion or whatever, because it wasn't. I was frustrated at the time, but it had happened, and everything, um, everything that I wanted, I got it. I got, I got. <laughs> mm -hmm. But a lot of people don't experience that, which very quickly leads to burnout. Right when what you think you deserve is not really reflected in reality, and other people around you don't believe that you deserve that. So I think sometimes it's an issue of maybe the people around you aren't advocating for you and it's not a supportive environment or and or it's not binary but it's possible that you don't yet have a lot of self-awareness about yourself and your skills and how you fit into this team and this organization i think that's really common early on and like i said like i definitely had periods of time where what i thought i should be making or how like uh, me thinking that I was more experienced or more skilled than I actually was that happened earlier in my career so yeah I think people should talk about it more because not talking about it I think makes both cases more likely to happen where this, the environment is not supportive and you don't really have the information you need to have a more accurate sense of your own skill set or how you line up against I don't know, other people in the company. Not that it should be comparative, but it helps you like helps you understand where you are, right? Yeah, and I think that forcing the conversation or at least broaching the topic, even if the answer that you get is not one that you want, and unless there is malintent on the side of like your manager, which let's hope not, you know, there's a source of truth in that. And there's also a ton of leaders and managers and especially like at smaller like startups and especially with like more early career employees that can have a very positive, but also very negative impact on someone's career. When you have someone who is two, one, two, three years into market, they may be really awesome, but then they get like severely, uh, like 
leveraged the wrong way in a company. And eventually that, that leads to burnout. And then people start thinking, am I burnt out because I worked too hard? It's like a battery thing. My battery is empty. It's like, no, you're probably burnt out because you didn't feel seen or you, there's a severe misalignment between what you want to be doing in your life and what you're actually doing right now, or what you perceive you just brought to the table and what other people saw. It's a much more like deeper psychological thing. Yeah, that's actually really insightful because at the time that I wanted a promotion, that was like, to me, if I got that, that would have been my fulfillment. And whatever my, whatever like makes me happy at any given time in my career, it, it shifts, right? Like once I got that promotion, then it was something else. Like I wanted to ship something awesome or that's actually a more constant desire that I have. Like I want to ship something awesome. But at different points in my career, you know, I wanted very different things. I wanted to join a very mature design team so that I had mentorship at one point. And then it became about my title and comp. And then at some point, it became something else. I think when people are more aware of what it is they actually want, then they can have the right conversation so that that gets taken care of, you know? Some people just want, some people want that title and that like, helps them feel seen. And I remember that that for me changed my whole experience at GitHub, like from then on, I felt I like I never sought change to my title after that, because I was happy with what I had. And then my happiness became, you know, am I working on things that I'm interested in? Am I working on a team that motivates me? And that was less so something I was concerned with in my first two years. So yeah, I think like, it's not meant to be just on you. Like, I think that hopefully, you have a manager or an environment that conversations about, you know, what would it take or not what would it take, but what makes you happy? What makes you feel like you're getting what you want out of this experience and how much of that is possible here versus that's a thing you need to uh, take care of on your own. But at least having the conversation is a start. And I think that maybe we don't talk about that enough when somebody first joins or first starts out their career. Like, I feel like you have to do it's like therapy. Like you need to do regular check-ins with yourself and with the people who are somewhat responsible for your path and your happiness to make sure that you're still aligned on what it is you want and what you need to feel happy and content. I really think it's exciting to that we started talking about this topic of your compensation, your worth, your self-awareness, how you perceived yourself within the organization. Because, and this is one of the reasons why I really want to have these conversations, is we didn't go into this like with a topic in mind, but I am a thousand percent sure that there are a ton of these topics that like are at the forefront of everyone's mind. And I think for everyone it's different. But what I really, really appreciate is, is kind of you know, digging more into this how you self-perceive, how you sit within the organization, how the organization validates you, uh, the way you find validation and, and the thing that you pursue changes over time. And so one of the things that I'm also intrigued by is what were you talking to new, I don't know what the vernacular is for, GitHubbers? Mm, yeah, um, that's exactly it. GitHubbers? Mm-hmm. So what would you tell them when they would join? So what was part of the spiel that over time you probably evolved and like kind of crafted a bit more as uh, as new people joined the team? Oh, 
I didn't really have anything in mind. It totally depended on the person because usually it's a it's just an open-ended conversation for them to ask questions and some of them didn't really have, didn't come with a list or anything. It's just a very, it, it was more like a coffee chat. Like, oh, hey, Kathy, how long have you been here? What are some things I should watch out for? Who are other people? Who are some other people I should talk to? Things like that. But there, sometimes you do get people who come in and they already know what kind of impact they want to have. And then they ask questions around basically figuring out how best they can go about achieving that, whether it's like influencing a product team or growing themselves in their career or just asking for tips for how to navigate a company. Because I think a, even a year in, I probably started to take it for granted. But joining a company that's that's remote first and then at some point became pretty much fully remote due to COVID, it's a, it has so many processes that seem invisible because there's no physical space anchoring you to anything. So I think for a lot of people who are joining and they're remote, they're not coming into headquarters and they're not meeting anyone in person, they have a lot more questions around what's the culture, how do I, if I have a question, how do I go about figuring that out? What does it look like usually to ship something? But luckily GitHub had like a huge resource, which was Slack. They didn't really I think it took some time to, for them to actually remove conversations from Slack so people could just like control F and, or command F and look for <laughs> previous conversations. And you could find pretty much anything going back years. But anyways, for the most part, I think what I would tell them is, like, hey, everyone told me in my first two weeks that it's going to take me six months to onboard. <laughs> and even after six months, you're not going to feel like you really know what's going on. So take your time. That would be the one thing I consistently told people. And... Past that, it was very diverse, depending on who the people were. Was there a certain way of working or presenting or socializing the work that worked really well at GitHub? That by telling people, you give them a little bit of a map of this is how you navigate the world here. Mm, like a Marauder's Map sort of thing. No, that would have been good to create. People did come in with an onboarding checklist that kind of gave them an initial map. If you're an engineer, it would walk you through all the engineering resources and deployment and setting up your local dev environment. And it'd be something else if you were something else. I think the design one probably had some of the, like setting up your dev env, fixing like a CSS bug, how to open a PR, that kind of thing. But the one thing that I... not one thing. One of one of the things that I think was really special, is really special about GitHub, is that I think the power of written form was really significant due to the asynchronous and remote culture and the fact that they use GitHub to plan. And so it's really transparent. Like you open an issue or maybe you create a readme within a repository, you can see the history of that. And it might not be very easy to find, like someone might have to link you directly there, but the power of written form, sharing ideas through that, and if you're able to pair it with visuals, so if you're a designer, I think that as a designer who is able to communicate effectively through writing and can pair that with designs or mocks or even sketches, you become like one of the most, you have the skills required to start things because then and this is something it's not like something I this is not a insight that I came to on my own it's something that I think Max Schoening probably imparted onto me 
just that designers uniquely I could have have the skill to start start new things because they are not only able to write but able to show you what it is they're thinking and then in a culture like that when is imagining have the same thing in their imagination you can move forward more effectively that was something that I started to tell people if you want to really have impact here you should get in the habit of writing I remember my first year at the company when I joined I was reporting to Connor Sears and one of my coworkers Kat Fukui she joined around the same time I did and she was really great about writing project briefs where she shows you like a little storyboard of what the user experience is and she writes like she writes about it and that thing gets shared around within her team beyond her team very quickly and i remember in one of our one-on-ones connor sends me this read me that cat made and was like you should do this and so i just started doing that i would just open cat's read me every time i was working on a new project and i would basically use it as my guideline for how to how to communicate and i think that just the practice of that was something that made cat and me both very successful within the company. And I don't think it's required, but I think that it gives you just another way to communicate with your team, right? Like people all digest information differently. Some people respond really well to words. Some people respond really well to live conversation or visuals or whatever it is. I think that the more mediums you can familiarize yourself with and communicate effectively through, the more powerful you become as a, as a, caretaker of ideas or a fire starter, if you will. And I think that's probably the role that I took on over time at GitHub, just somebody that helped shape new things and helped make sure that people all thought the same thing in their mind before we scoped out what that project was. That's awesome. One of the things that I really love about what you just said is, or what you didn't say, which you could say, this is a way to succeed as a designer, for Mm -hmm. example or as someone on the tech team, but you use the term fire starter. I often find that just by keeping ourselves confined to our title, Mm. we limit ourselves so heavily in us on Mm. the work that we put out. So what kind of like, are there themes of people? So there are fire starters, there are (laughs) caretakers of ideas, which you just mentioned. Yeah, maybe there were yeah, I, I don't, we didn't have terms like that in GitHub. I was hesitant to say Firestarter because I wasn't sure if that was always a positive thing. I guess it's on its own, it's neutral. It could be good or bad depending on what the idea is or people just view it as a distraction or whatever. Yeah, I think that over time, the way that I saw the life cycle of a project, especially during my time at GitHub, because I usually, there, there were definitely projects where I came in and it was an existing product, and I'm just helping to iterate on it. But there's also a lot of projects where it was the product, the surface area of that product wasn't was non-existent, and the goal is to like ship something. And and I think that when you, not when you, but when people who are responsible for making decisions around who works on what, they think about okay, who's a good team to initiate this who will take care of this idea while it's fragile, get it to a place where it can stand and live on its own and be passed down maybe to a team that's better at execution or maintenance or growth or whatever it is. I think at GitHub, especially 
in the first, I feel like during all of my personal time there, I think that there was a lot of flexibility in the kinds of roles that my team played within the life cycle of a project. There wasn't like, I, I think that when I first joined for the first two years, there was teams had a lot of attachments to the product areas that they owned. Whether let's say, for example, this is totally hypothetical, but let's say you worked on GitHub issues and that people might view issues as their baby, like they're responsible for it. They know the most about it. They've built it for many years. But by the time I left, at least in the context in which I worked, we were less precious about the product areas that we contribute to and more, more attached to the higher level OKRs, higher level objectives that are that were important to our organization within GitHub. So it allowed teams to be flexible. So if you knew that this one team was really great at building in the very beginning of a project in its early phases, you would staff that team on that project. So I moved around a lot in my latter three years there because I, I think Max saw me as somebody who could help shape things early on. And so I just was moved around from thing to thing. And I also enjoyed that. Like I think I told him that I don't mind like not being the team to actually ship the thing, I like starting new things. I probably am way better at it than actually executing and shipping or maintaining. So I don't mind. And it allowed different people to play to their specific strengths. So I think that I probably better at writing than designing. So I was doing more of that. And then people who were amazing at polish, you know, they get brought in later on and they like really breathe new life into a project, which I also saw. And yeah, I forgot your question. It was the archetypes of, of people. Oh, yeah, I guess we didn't outline them like really explicitly. But I knew that in my conversations with different design leaders, you know, they would say, oh, Kathy, you're good at X, Y, Z. So do you want to work on this and help them with that? And then you'll move on. I'd be like, yes, I'm down with that. And I think that only happened later on in my time at GitHub because, because there were people like Max who saw that there was value to the skill set that I had. It doesn't make sense for every project, and it's why I worked on specific things, and he allowed that. He, I think he helped create an environment in which I could be very successful, and I don't really know if other like I could translate this to other companies, but I knew that within GitHub, I became good at doing this thing that GitHub at the time needed, and I would just be doing this. I would just be helping with the early stages of a project over and over again, and I didn't mind. It was fulfilling for me. So eventually, you decided to leave GitHub. Mm -hmm. Having obviously talked a little bit about how you enjoyed that approach, what was what started brewing in your mind that got you to eventually make that decision? It was just the longest relationship I ever had in my life. <laughs> I say that like I, I've said that so many times since since leading up to me departing and after departing. But it's true. Hey, that's a very important relationship. I think it's hard sometimes to find somebody who knows how to shape your head the way you like it. But yeah, I'd been in, I've been doing that job for a long time. And I think I got to a place in my career where I, whatever I was seeking out at age 21 or 22, like I got those things. And I don't think I spent a lot of time thinking about what's next. Now that I got my senior designer promotion like two or three years ago, what else am I reaching for? Nothing. And that I was okay with that. 
And when I got my next promotion, I think it was a bit of a shock. They promoted me. I was going to mention that one, yeah. Huh? I was going to mention that one. Yeah, they promoted me to staff designer, I think, two years after, maybe. I don't remember exactly, but probably two years after my senior designer promotion. And it wasn't one that I was, it wasn't the same experience for me personally, because the senior title I really wanted. And I was going to advocate very hard for that. Argued with my manager at the time about it just once. And then when I got it, I was so happy. I never thought about it again. So when I got the staff promotion, I think I was just very surprised. And But I felt good. I think one of the ways I feel validation is when I get like verbal acknowledgement of my contributions or impact or whatever. And this is one format of that. But it was also a sign to me that I didn't really know what else would make me feel really fulfilled because I, at this point, finally got to ship some things that I was happy with or had fun working on. I was working with teams that I really admired and had a good time with. So I think that this is a good segue into my hobby. It's why I started to invest so much time in my hobby And it was only in retrospect that I realized that my ceramics hobby was helping fulfill a part of, it was helping fulfill a thing that I was no longer getting from my job. But I didn't realize that until two or three years into doing pottery. And it was also why I wasn't really aware of, aware that I wasn't really looking for anything more from my time at GitHub, that I had reached the place that I always wanted to be and hadn't thought beyond that. But anyways, the thing that I wasn't getting anymore was freedom. And going back to being aware of what you want and how possible it is within that context, I know that it's creative freedom is not something that I should get at it, it, within my role at GitHub. And it's for good reasons, right? I shouldn't just get to design like whatever I want and whatever palette or design system I want. That's not the job. And so I went really hard into ceramics where I got to do whatever I wanted, ended up opening a shop and I could treat it however I wanted. And it, it sufficed for a really long time. Like for two straight years, I was doing my job and then I would get all of my creative freedom satisfaction out of pottery. And then work got a little busier and it was harder to <laughs> invest so much time in my hobby. And I think that was when I started to realize, okay, I can't just keep trying to fulfill this part of what I want with this hobby, it does need to come from my job if my job's going to take more time out of my day or out of my week. So that's the true answer. Like, it's not the answer that I gave to people at the time that I quit, but I wasn't dishonest. I was honest when I said, I've been doing this for a long time. It's time for a new thing. It just wasn't the full truth. The full truth is some parts of what I want aren't possible here, and I'm not resentful about that, but it is time to move on. And, and that's why I joined Optimism, where I have more freedom, and it's a smaller company, and so I, have a lot of, I have a lot of opportunity to fill very different roles or do very different types of design. And what's happened is that I've put so much more time into my job because it has all of these things that I had been craving but were being fulfilled by different activities in my life. And now they're all being fulfilled by my job, which is great. So I've been spending less time with pottery and I'm not unhappy about it because I understand where, why my time investments have shifted. I think, again, when you know what makes you happy and you're able to decide your own path or be really thoughtful about where you put in time, 
you're just like very peaceful and content. So that's where I am. You asked me today, like, what's new in my life? How's, how are things going? And I'm like, nothing. Everything's very, I'm very content with the way things are. And uh, yeah. The other thing was, I don't think I needed to really learn anything new to do my job at GitHub anymore. I think like I became good at doing that thing that I was good at doing. And it's just rinse and repeat over and over again. And I, I was comfortable with GitHub just being a job. I'm still a big fan of the company. Like I would go back and work there if, if, uh, if maybe at some point I need something else and GitHub can offer that to me or, the, you know, the experience of working there fulfills something that I'm looking for. But yeah, so that's why I left. And, uh, and I don't know like what the next thing will be that I look for, but I feel like almost I've returned back to how I felt in the earlier years of my career where I'm just really excited to have new opportunities and learn new things and I'm being I'm I'm needing to grow because everything's new and it had been a while since I felt that way there's something so exciting about how you didn't call out designer you called out caretaker of ideas Mm. and there is this point where you realize that you didn't need to learn anything else to be successful at github and that the staff title where we very often see people just chase titles and jump from company to company either for comp changes or there's the very typical, oh, I'm going to come out of a Facebook, Google, whatever. And then when I jump to a smaller company, I'm going to go from senior staff or I have managed four people. Now I get a director title, (laughs) which is not, I mean, if companies pay you in titles, that's a whole different, like, hairy nest of problems. I find it very refreshing to hear you talk about the things that you were actually pointing at, which is opportunities of creativity, new ways of expressing yourself, and then very naturally as a result of that, finding that you're doing this creative thing that you love less and then also being okay with that. And there was another thing as well when you were talking about the quote unquote real reason why you left, there is something really great about, hey, I've been here for a long time. I don't think I'm going to learn anything else here. And that is fine. Whereas a lot of people then feel, oh, Kathy's leaving. The ground is opening. Like things must be wrong. And in a lot of cases, they... They just are simply very well thought through personal reasoning and motivations that make you want to go into a different direction. Yeah. Prior to deciding that I wanted to interview at Optimism, I just had a really hard time imagining myself running towards anything. My time at GitHub was and is very special to me. I feel like, well, because of when I was like, what, 25 when I joined, I was 31 when I left, I like fucking grew up at this company. It like deeply shaped who I was. And there were people there that like, I've had so many people that I regard as mentor figures, or were just straight up mentors to me that really set me up for growth and set me up for opportunities and invested themselves in me. So like, I fucking love my the time that I've had there. So when I was starting to become, you know, regard it more as more and more, I started to regard it more and more as a job. And I wasn't unhappy about that, like I said, but it was a different relationship. And I would only very, very sarcastically entertain leaving because again, I couldn't imagine myself running towards anything. I felt like this was my ideal job. Like 
the thing that I do at GitHub, which is help shape new things and then work with awesome people to try to make it happen. That's the kind of role I would want at any company. But I have that here and I have reputation and I have influence and I have comp and title that I'm happy with. But I'm still spending all my free time going to pottery because there is something missing. And yeah, I think if you can be honest about the fact that this job isn't going to fulfill that for you, then you can leave in a really healthy way. You're not trying to fix or find a solution within the job that just to stay. And I don't know, I hope I was very clear to people that were there that it was a healthy and very positive departure on my part that I have, I do have some regrets leaving because there are always going to be people that I still care about there, still ideas worth working on. But I am just one person in this like massive, it's like 2,000, maybe almost 3,000, I don't know. There's so many people there. And the gap that I leave Somebody else will fill that in a different way. And that'll be awesome new opportunity for them. And meanwhile, I will have an awesome new opportunity for me. And maybe if it ever makes sense, I'll come back. But yeah, it, the, I think the only sad period I had at GitHub was when I couldn't imagine anything different that would also be awesome. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I didn't regard my, time, my role at GitHub being as awesome as it used to be because I was a different person. And what I, have, what I now want has changed and evolved become harder to meet, and that's a privilege. Like, I, I'm very privileged to be able to keep wanting new things and have the ability to pursue them. And luckily that period only lasted a couple months. I was like, you know, not sure about what I was going to do. And, and then one of my friends who I was working with at GitHub, one of my favorite people to work with, he went to Optimism. And the day that he told me he was leaving, I said, maybe I'll go. And he was like, I would love that. And it was, and it just became more and more serious in my mind. And I think that it had been such a long time since I felt strongly about anything that I, that, that I even have like a gut feeling that I thought I should follow it because I'm at like what, almost at my midlife point or whatever. <laughs> and I didn't want to. You're very far away from your midlife point. Let's be, let's be clear. It was around this time that I learned this fact, biological fact, I was telling everyone because I was freaking out about it. I thought it was so cool that most mammals live for one billion heartbeats. It's like a, it's like a mat mathematical line, you know, based on their size and whatever, their heart rate maps to their size. And then it turns out that most of them, they, their lifespan's like a billion heartbeats. And I was like, well, you know, what's one billion heartbeats for a human person? It's like around 30, 31, 32. So I was like, oh, I've lived like nature's intended lifespan. Mm -hmm. So now with all of this extra time, I want to be taking risks. I want to be trying new things. I want to be growing. I don't want to become an old, boring person. Like I'm already covering the old part. <laughs> if I keep doing this, I'm going to also be boring. So yeah, I felt like I was jumping off a cliff following my friend Bobby to optimism. But it turned out to be an awesome decision for me. I'm really, really happy. I'm only three months in, but yeah, I feel renewed and I did not know that I could feel that way about design <laughs> and I feel like a lot of people who are around like, like career tenure wise like around where I am I feel like they come to that point where they're sort of jaded with tech design they're like contemplating quitting the industry as a whole and 
I empathize or I sympathize with that. I never had that thought, but I also didn't think I could feel excited about designing in tech, and I do. That's great. Mm -hmm. It is great. <laughs> I think that that's a great way to, to end our conversation. Stay optimistic. Stay optimistic. <laughs> Thanks for listening. As I was editing this episode, I was reminded on how amazing it felt to have the topic of Kathy's career and her perspective on career progression bubble to the surface organically. I really hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. See you next week when my guest is Dan Maul.